0: Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're starting a brand new series today, focusing on a pretty heavy topic. For the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the end times. Pastor Nicole is going to be joined by Pastor Quint Lindblad in this series. And this week, they're going to be discussing the signs of the end times. In week two, they're going to examine what's called the Great Tribulation. And then finally, they'll dig into the second coming of Christ in the final week. There's a lot of great material in here, and we think you're really going to enjoy this series. So let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole and Pastor Quint.
1: Today, uh, we are starting a new series called 30 Minute Theology. I heard a little woo from the back, so we got one, one that's excited about it this morning. No, I know y'all are. Um, This series is all about uh, what we call eschatology, the study of the end of the age, and for the next three weeks, Pastor Quint and I are going to co-teach this. Uh, We love when we get to do this together and just discuss this topic, and so um, we could never contain in three weeks uh, the study on the end of the age, okay? It's going to take a lot longer than that, but what we hope we can do is kind of um, pique your interest, uh, get you to study yourself, and so... We did um, provide for you this um, uh, recommended books list, courses, podcast resources, scriptures. At the very least, um, use these scriptures in your personal time. And um, if you have a question, if we we kind of get to the end of this and or even throughout the week, something we talked about and you have a question, we'd love to try to help cover it for you. You can text the word end times in all caps uh, to 97,000. And um, when we get to the end of the series, we're going to release a podcast that will continue to talk talk about this topic. All the questions we don't know, we're going to give to Pastor Don, and he will tell right. you all. <laughs> he he know he knows everything. So if we have more questions, we can ask him. He is our, our sage of our team. And so um, we're going to continue to kind of talk about this topic. Um, you know, the end times can stir up a lot of emotions for many of us. Um, some of us, you might be here today because you're interested in it. This is like a topic you want to know about. Um, And we can get interested. We can kind of like try to decode it and predict it and all that stuff. Um, But when we do that, we have to be careful not to lose sight of the faith that should be the central focus of the study. Because the truth is, you can study it your whole life, but the scripture actually says no one's ever going to (laughs) know the day or the hour. And so we're not here today um, to give you some formula to figure out or to predict when Jesus is coming back. We know he is, but nobody knows when. Um, so we got to make sure that when we're talking about this subject, uh, we're really looking at you know kind of the right through it, the right lens. Um, another thing that I've come up with—I don't know about you, Quint—but as you've talked to people, sometimes people have some discomfort or fear around this issue. Maybe it's because we label it with fire. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe because when we think about end times, we the think br- about the
2: branding is strong. <laughs> the branding. Uh, Agreed. But
1: it, and you know when we read it, you know books are going to be opened, our names are going to be read, secret are going to be exposed, right? Wars will increase. We use words like mark of the beast and antichrist, right? These are, I mean, this could make you a little panicky even um, if you if you really get started on it. And so what I want to do just to start us off is that no matter how the end times makes you feel or where you fall on the continuum, um, God is really clear on what he wants his people to feel about the end of the age. And I want to just read it to you from John 14, 1 through 3. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If they were not so, would I've told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And so really, Jesus's recap on all of this is this. Trust God trust me, I'm coming back. You're going with me. Okay. These are the things that he needs us to know. Jesus is going to go away for a while, but he will return. And until then, he wants us to be at peace. He wants his children to trust him enough that their hearts will not be troubled. And so it kind of, it's within that vibe and that thought, we want you to hear everything we're talking about this morning.
2: Yeah. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hit on a lot of big uh, topics and subjects, but as Pastor Nicole just said, the main thing that we want uh, everyone to just cling to and hold to in these conversations is peace, and Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace, and so that's really what, um, what we want to hold on to as kind of our, our lifeline in this conversation. Uh, theologians say that there are over 350 distinct prophecies in Scripture um, about the coming of Christ, and about one-third of them uh, were fulfilled the first time that he came. Things like he'd be born in a manger, born of a virgin, uh, the way he would be crucified was predicted, and as we just celebrated that last week with Easter. Um, and so about a third of the prophecies that we find in the Old Testament are, were fulfilled by him with his first coming. The other two thirds will be fulfilled. Uh, when he comes a second time or as we wait for that. And we'll get into some of that today. And so one thing we can know and be sure of is that if he was faithful and true to... Uh, come the first time and fulfill one-third of them, we can be sure he will do the same, he will return, and he will fulfill the rest of those prophecies. And so that is where our peace rests, is that we know Jesus will come through as he has already started and put in motion the plan of coming through for us. And so uh, the challenge of studying the return of Jesus really isn't the subject itself, but it's how we respond to it. Are we going to respond with fear or trembling? Or are we going to respond with uh, peace and trust and faith in him? And so there's two things that the end of the time should produce in us. okay? And those things would be growth in our love for Jesus okay, and more engagement in his mission. In the New Testament, when the apostles were taught about the return of Jesus, it motivated them to go out and build the church. They flipped the entire world upside down, building the way, the new church. They didn't check out. They didn't live selfishly. They didn't say, hey, we were with him, and we know that he's coming back, and so we're just like going to ride coast downhill. That was not it at all. They didn't store extra food in their basements. They didn't buy generators. They didn't get reserve water tanks for their backyards, okay? When they heard the truth that Jesus was coming back, they poured their whole life into building the church. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, and I know that that's a big sentence, but is uh, Galatians 5.13, which says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And so we who are Easter people as we so boldly declared last week, we have this amazing opportunity to respond to what we know with service and with love and with caring for others and to not use our opportu- our, our freedom for ourselves, but to use that freedom Christ has given us to serve one another. And that's what we want to cling to as yeah. these, uh, these days approach.
1: So good. Um, so we're going to be kind of working with a general timeline for these next couple um, weeks. And so we put it together here. And um, this is just a snapshot in time, right? So these lines go on forever in both directions. But from the scripture, we see a general timeline of events that we see happening in the history of time. So all of the Old Testament leads us to the cross. So, Quint, can you be Vanna White there for a minute? So I can't reach that side of the thing. I'll help you out when you get over here. All right, so um, the prophecies in the Old Testament... And many promises God made were fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus. And so really, Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead is the central point of history. Like that is the, it's not the center of this map, but is the center point of history. And so now we are living in the church age, which is right here. And we're anticipating the promise that Jesus is coming back again. And every day we are closer to the day of his return. We don't know what day that will be, but today we know we're closer than yesterday yesterday, and tomorrow we know we're closer than the day before. And the scripture says that as we get closer to that day, there will be signs and trends that we can look for that will signal to us that he is coming soon. So again, we don't know the day or the hour, but there are signs, and that's what we're going to kind of look at today. And so, for example, one of the most striking events in biblical prophecy was the reestablishment of the state of Israel And regaining control of Jerusalem. Okay, so in the book of Joel, Zechariah, and Luke, it says that this must happen for the end time prophecies to be fulfilled. And we saw on May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation again. Okay, It was a nation, then it was scattered, and then on May fourteenth, 1948, Israel became a nation again. And then, about 20 years later, in June of 1967, the Six-Day War accomplished regaining control of Jerusalem again.
2: And so, this would be an example of one of those two-thirds of the prophecies that had not yet been fulfilled yeah. being fulfilled. It's just a page in our history books now, but it actually was a prophecy being fulfilled. Yes. uh, And we're getting closer to more of them being fulfilled.
1: And really, no prophetic sign is more convincing, right? No prophetic sign is more dramatic. The Jews were scattered to the nations in AD 70. We read that in the scripture. And now 2,000 years later, they're back home. Um, Also in AD 70, the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem, that kind of same moment in history. And another sign of the last days is when that temple will be rebuilt. In fact, the temple must be rebuilt so the Antichrist can stand in it and defy it. That's what the scripture says. So currently, that temple is not rebuilt. So we know that has to happen, because uh, we see in the scripture the Antichrist will stand inside the temple and defy it. Now, uh, currently, right now, the Dome of the Rock, this is one of the major religious sites of Islam, was built in the place where the temple once stood. So there once was the Temple of Jerusalem. It was destroyed. It was torn down. And this is what was built and now stands currently on top of it. And what we read in the Bible that we believe to be true is that someday that this mosque will be removed. Uh, But for now, there is great tension between Muslims and Christians over this spot. In fact, if you follow along in the news and that sort of thing, this is often a flashpoint for violence. You might have seen it. Um, as you're as you're listening, to, you know to Jerusalem news and that sort of thing. Now, right now, there is a growing movement in Israel to rebuild the temple. In August of 2021, the New York Times, of all things reported that since 1967, there's been this sort of fragile religious balance at the Temple Mount, uh, and only Muslims were able to worship there. But Jewish people, uh, they had to pray at the Western Wall. But recently, the government is allowing increasing numbers of Jews even to pray uh, near the Temple Mount. That invites some religious conflict. But it is also a sign of the end times, that there's this beginning, there's this shift, there's this thing that's coming uh, that we actually are reading in the scripture. Yeah.
2: yeah, and tensions will continue to rise as some of these things unfold. That's just part of it. John 16, Jesus told us, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so as we see these things uh, unfold, we just need to remember that trouble is part of it. I mean, if we just did Good Friday into into Easter and the disciples watched a lot of troubling things that led to the greatest day in human history. So uh, the prophets foretold in Zechariah 14.2 that Jerusalem would be the center for world politics and controversy, okay? And as Pastor Nicole just said, this is just playing out more. And more. Another thing that uh, Scripture tells us is a sign that the end times is coming closer is this development of a global government, okay? In the book of Daniel and Revelation, there's many metaphors and word pictures that are used, but it describes a ten-nation confederation that will form. Uh, the Bible never uses the phrase one-world government or one-world currency in referring to the end times, but it does provide ample evidence to enable us to draw the conclusion that both will exist in some way, shape, or form under the rule of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will try to establish absolute control over all peoples, regardless of their nation, uh, their religion, any of those things. Uh, And one way to accomplish this is by controlling commerce, okay? This is where the idea of a one-world currency comes into play. In Revelation 13, we read in verses 16 and 17, uh, some of the some sort of satanic mark or mark of the beast will be required in order for us to buy and sell. Okay, This will mean that whoever refuses the mark will not be able to buy food or clothing or necessities of life. And it's most likely that most people will succumb to it, will take on this mark of the beast simply to survive. But Revelation 13, 16 makes it clear that this will be a universal system of control where everyone, rich or poor, great or small, nation doesn't matter, religion doesn't matter, will have to bear this mark on their hand or forehead. And this is just, a, you know, there's a great deal of speculation on how this could happen, but I think we all would agree that with the technologies available to us today, this would not be hard to accomplish. We all have phones in our pockets that are more powerful than any computers that existed 75 years ago when no computers existed, Okay, So uh, this would not be a hard thing to accomplish. Um, And so what we will see. And if you read further in Revelation 13, verse 18 tells us that 666 is the number of man. And we see this affirmed throughout scripture in the way that in Genesis, man was created on the sixth day. In the Old Testament, men were called to work six out of seven days. In Israel, a Hebrew could only be held a slave for six years. Uh, After six consecutive years of sowing in a field, it was required to lie dormant for a year. So like six uh, in the Bible, throughout the Bible, six is a thematic number for man. And in man's last attempt at ruling the world, the number 666 will somehow come into play and represent the apex of human ingenuity and competence.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes we overly sort of size, that 666 number. Uh, I was uh, telling Quint this story. I was in Panera the other week, and um, the lady bring up my bagel and my coffee, and she said, $6.66. $6.66. And, and she went, ooh. <laughs> and I said, oh, you know, no problem. And she's like, some people will buy another cookie so that you don't have to pay that amount. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm good. Like, That's I'll, called upselling. I'll, I'll, yeah, right. Uh, and then you had a that similar experience. That happened to me. At,
2: I was at a country fair. My order came to 666. And she changed it. She must, I don't know, she changed the computer she has to the 665. Power. And I was just glad that she went down, cause I was like, I ain't paying six sixty-seven. <laughs> One so. more percent.
1: Um, but it, you know, even people—we don't even know if these folks were believers—but it's this number. Kind just of, weirded out. It by becomes it. this weird. But here's the thing: it's simply the number of man. Uh, and now, the mark of the beast is not a good thing. It's something that will certainly usher us closer to the end times. But that six sixty-six number is not intended to be uh, this like creepy, kind of you know, scary thing. It's the number of man, and it's the it's three um, is the perfect you know. Number so three sixes is the the number of man and so this person will be the apex of human ingenuity and, and you know competence. It will be the the person that's representing man fully and not God. Right. So, right. Um, so we want to just look in Matthew 24 at some more signs or trends that we can track. Um, as we're closer to Christ's second coming. So we're gonna look in Matthew 24, verse uh, three. Let's just start. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Okay, so even then, the disciples are asking, Jesus, give us the heads up. We want the inside scoop. You know, when are you coming? And Jesus answers, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And so let's just stop there for a minute. One of the signs of the times will be deception. Uh, The scripture says many people will claim to be the Messiah. Maybe they won't even say I'm the Messiah and wear a Messiah shirt, you know, but they will say, I have the answers. You guys have a problem. I have the answer, right? They're going to be ones that say, trust me, I'll deliver you. There'll be religious leaders or maybe even political leaders who claim to have a deeper knowledge and understanding. And in doing this, people will get confused and they will abandon the real truth. Right. Um, we also see deception creeping into uh, like our morality, and so I believe that as we get closer to the end, the acceptance for immoral behavior will increase because there'll be more deception on what's wrong and what's right. There will be more confusion. Uh, It will become more and more unacceptable to speak absolute truth.
2: We have already seen all of that. Right,
1: and it will just continue, right? The spiritual stronghold of deception will grow, and the culture will reflect it. You know what I think is interesting is Jesus here, he doesn't say, uh, watch out for persecution or watch out for, you know, these different things. He says, listen, deception will be your greatest vulnerability. Don't get fooled. Don't get fooled. So, uh, did you have something else you wanted to say no, about that?
2: that? that's just so true. Yeah,
1: so then um, verse 6 uh, goes on to say, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And so the second sign we see in Matthew 24 is this dispute among nations. Is this happening today?
0: Absolutely. Everywhere,
1: right? As wars and dissensions among groups of people escalate, we see a sign of Christ's return. Um, it's interesting, you know, the the um, word... Nation is actually the word ethnos, uh, which is where we get the word ethnic or ethnic group from. And so when it says nation will turn against nation, it doesn't just mean Russia will invade Ukraine. It certainly means that, but it doesn't just mean that. There are 12,000 ethnic people groups on the earth right now, and Jesus is talking about how the collision of these groups will increase. Um, And we see this happening all across. We see racial tension. We see hostility, outrage, right? We see this growing not just in our country, um, but around the world. Uh, Pastor Danielle and I talked to a missionary recently in Africa who said that in his country right now, 20% of the people are still in slavery. Like, they haven't even been delivered right now in 2022. And so these things are happening. Cambodia, Albania, Rwanda, Bosnia, Kosovo, right? All over. And there's economic-related hostility. There are increasing issues regarding embargoes and merchandise tariffs and nations trading. And this conflict and dispute among people groups is a significant sign of the end times. And the scripture says it will get worse before it gets better.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Continuing In Matthew 24, verses 7 and 8, uh, it says, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. So we talked about deception, we talked about dispute among nations, and now the another sign is the sign of devastation, okay? As we get closer to the end of the age, there will be more natural events that cause devastation, okay? This verse speaks of massive food shortages. We see that in countries like Ethiopia and Sudan who are regularly in the headlines with famines. It's actually predicted that in 2025, which is only 3 years away, there will be 2 billion people who are suffering from malnutrition in the world, okay? If that happens, it will be the greatest famine in history. Over 500 million people don't have enough clean drinking water, okay? Uh, Water shortages have reduced the global food supply. The world's population is growing, yet our agricultural abilities are not keeping up. Uh, just last week, we took an offering, the last couple of weeks, for uh, to build a well in the Navajo Nation, which is right here in the United States of America, um, as they are struggling with water shortages. So this isn't just something that's at a distance. We're seeing this right here in our own country. Uh, between 1900 and 1969, roughly six earthquakes happened every 10 years, okay? Major earthquakes happen all the time now. It seems they're reported almost once a month. Um, and then the KJV, King James Version, actually adds uh, the word pestilence to this verse, okay? This would include epidemic diseases, things like cancer. Uh, right now, uh, cancer was virtually unheard of hundreds of years ago. Now there are over 100 different kinds of cancer, and that ki- they kill over five million people every single year. We also all just endured our first global pandemic of our lifetime.
1: Mm, I don't remember.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, uh, and so, you know, this is, this is proof that uh, these things, this increasing devastation will happen, and we're, we're living through some of that right now. We are seeing that as, as we draw closer to the end times. Moving on to Matthew 24, 9, it says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. This sign would be the sign of resistance towards God's people, okay? As we get closer to Christ's return, there will be more and more antagonism towards God's people, towards the followers of Jesus Christ. Christians will be persecuted. We we see this happen today. We've seen this with the rise of ISIS, with horrific attacks in the Middle East. We've seen this, um, honestly, even just with our laws right here in our own country, we've seen those shift and change uh, to a less Christian leaning uh, legislation and things like that. And so we have seen this on full display for the last many years, uh, just growing worse and worse. Uh, you know, we can expect that Christian business owners, Christian teachers will only uh, in- increase in what they're being tested to do, compromise, consider things like that. Um, but let's finish. Matthew 24, uh, in verses 9 through 14, it says, "'At that time many will turn away from the faith "'and will betray and hate each other, "'and many false prophets will appear "'and deceive many people. "'Because of the increase of wickedness, "'the love of most will grow cold. "'But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So we see that sin will reach its fullest expression. Lawlessness will abound. That's the bad news, but there is actually some good news on the other side of that.
1: Yeah, if you know uh, Pastor Quint and I, I'm probably the more optimistic one. My glass is more half full. For usually. sure. So For I sure. decided I wanted to tell you the good signs. I was going to make him finish up the bad ones. But there are some good things that are going to come. It's not all kind of cloudy bad news here. But it says in right in that verse we read, listen, the gospel is going to be preached to all the nations. Come on. Like that is what's going to happen. The gospel is going to be preached to all the nations. And Jesus connected the timing of his return to the preaching. Of the gospel to all 12,000 people groups, right? That ethnos word. And the greatest harvest of souls is in history is actually occurring right now. The Bible's been translated into 2,000 languages, it's available to 98% of the world's population. thankful to the Gideons for part of that process, right? We're so thankful for that. And that really is is a lot of the reason why we do what we do. If
2: you ever wonder why a third of our mission statement is love, build, send, it's because we want to be a part of sending the gospel to all the nations, okay? It's why we send teams, it's why we send finances and resources, it's why we partner with different groups is because we we want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of spreading the gospel and seeing the, the good news preached to all nations. So
1: good. Specifically the scripture says that Jewish people in Israel are going to come into relationship with Jesus. And Messianic Jewish congregations are seeing more Jewish people in Israel come to Jesus than at any time since the first century. In fact, one of the statistics I read is that there's an increase of over 500% in the last 10 years. And so it's coming. It's coming. Absolutely. Uh, Secondly, as we get closer to the end, there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Lord promised to pour out His Spirit on all believers in Acts 2. And the increase of the numbers of believers who have charismatic theology and are experienced has grown from 1 million in 1920 to over 600 million today. And truly this is a sign of the times. Okay. Acts two says in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Yes. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. And so there will be an outpouring. And so these good things are happening too. These, these amazing things are happening. Now, as the evil increases in the world, which it says it will... It, it, that will happen, but the Holy Spirit will increase, and the Holy Spirit will help us. And and I believe that the Lord put us in each generation that he asks us to do you know, on purpose. And so now that we kind of have an overview of all of this, uh, Quint, tell us, what does the scripture tell us to do? Like, what do we do yeah. now that we know some of these things?
2: Absolutely. So this is the 50,000-foot view to just get started on this conversation. We're going to get into more details over the next couple of weeks. But uh, as we go today, here would be the instructions from, uh, from Jesus Christ, in both Matthew and Luke, they record the words of Jesus telling us two really important things that we should do as these signs unfold, okay? And Jesus says this, we need to watch and we need to pray.
1: Amen, I love This it.
2: is practical counsel on how to be wise and faithful and prepared spiritually for whenever Christ yeah. comes back. We need to watch and we need to pray. Jesus could have mentioned physical preparations, OK? He could have said, store up water, store up food. He probably wouldn't have said, store up batteries and shortwave radios because they didn't exist back then. But he, you know, he could have said physical things. But instead, he reminded us that being spiritually prepared for the days to come is the most important thing. How we interact with him and with people is the most important thing. Jesus is the best shepherd. And he says, if we engage in these two things diligently, we will have answers for the crisis in any situation, okay? If we have divine wisdom, if we have connection to God, we will know what to do. We will have answers in that day. If we don't watch and pray, we will be at the mercy or the fear of someone who might not be tied in with the Holy Spirit. If we only just consume what the news tells us to think, then we will probably live in fear and probably not have uh, that peace that we talked about earlier. So I wanna remind you what Galatians 5.13 tells us, okay? It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, okay? It is not enough to watch and pray alone. But if we get lazy, if we get sluggish, if we don't fully uh, engage in our community of believers, we are gonna be vulnerable for bad counsel. We're gonna be vulnerable for bad advice. We will uh, lack wisdom, okay? But when we are together with a community of believers, and I don't need to tell you this because you came to church today, all right? But when we are together as a group, when we are joining small groups, serving on teams, loving each other, filling in each other's gaps, having grace for each other's journey, this is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And this is what God intended when he gave us the church. Okay, and so I want to encourage you to do that. We all need to watch and pray together to be knit together and to do that in love so that we can serve one another.
1: Yeah, so good. So good. Well, would you stand up today? We want to pray for you this morning. Uh, We're excited to keep talking about this topic over these next few weeks. And uh, we pray that you dig into the word and hear what God has to say, even to you specifically. But if you're comfortable, would you put your hand on your heart? Let's just pray for our hearts this morning. Uh, God, Jesus, would you help us uh, be committed to watching and praying? Lord, you have given us your promise. You have never uh, not fulfilled a promise yet, and you won't start now, and we know your promises are true, and we know we can trust you, and we know that you're coming again, and we believe that, and we pray as we watch as the signs of the times unfold, just as you said they would, we want to be ready. God, help us invest in this body. Help us invest together uh, to understand more of your word so that we can be prepared for the day that you come. Help us watch and pray together. Help us find stability and hope in you. We love you so much. And it's in your strong name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great Sunday. We'll see you guys next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Erie First podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.